Mystery time. Time now for the best in mystery. Tonight, on Masters of Mystery, a suspenseful melodrama titled Success Story. Charles, why is it that I'm always meeting people who pretend to be friendly when all they want is my money? Money, Amelia, has a fascination for some people. A deadly fascination. Good evening. This is Don Dowd, your host for Mystery Time. Back again to introduce another in ABC Radio's great Monday through Friday lineup of mystery dramas. Every night at this time, a new and different story. Our drama tonight on Masters of Mystery, produced by Clark Andrews and written by Robert E. Foster, is titled Success Story. The central character of our story is a man who believes in making plans for his future, plans that include even murder. So here, live on Masters of Mystery, Success Story. What's the use of being clever if no one knows how clever you are? Any psychologist will tell you that the urge to boast is a fundamental one. And I'll never have a better opportunity. All right, I'll start with the moment when I sat in my room cleaning red clay off my handmade shoes. It was 20 years since I cleaned my own shoes, but I couldn't risk letting anyone else do it. That red clay was a dead giveaway if anyone had seen it. But uh, no one did. Yes? Charles? Yes, Amelia, what is it? Charles, I hate to bother you, but could you come over? I'm terribly upset. The police are here. Police? Well, tell me what's wrong. I don't know exactly, but someone tried to shoot me. Shoot you? Was it Henry? Amelia, I know Henry was a favorite of your father's, but I tell you, the man is dangerous. You've got to get rid of him. Please, Charles, I can't discuss it now. Can you come over? Of course, I'll be right over. <laughs> Amelia was 40, and everyone said that she had a beautiful nature which means, of course, that she was as plain as a board fence. But I was vitally interested in Amelia. You see, she owned a controlling interest in Rankin Enterprises, the firm in which I had been working myself upward for years until I was now the general manager. Amelia was also chairman of the board of directors. She'd inherited the business from her father along with $3 million. She'd been on her own for six months now... And I felt she needed a man to assist and guide her. And I was working on it. I'd started by insisting to her that Henry, her caretaker, was old, half-senile, and untrustworthy. I was all tender concern when Amelia let me into the house. Amelia, what's happened? Oh, I'm so glad you came. Oh. Who is this, uh, Miss Rankin? Uh, my name is Carter, officer. I'm general manager of Miss Rankin's firm. Now, what has happened? Charles, as I told you, 
somebody tried to kill me tonight. What? I can... Uh, just just a minute, uh, Mr. Carter. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to continue questioning uh, the caretaker here. Oh, why, of course. Now, uh, Henry, uh, two hours ago, someone stood outside on the grounds and put a bullet through Miss Rankin's bedroom window. Don't look at me. I've been with the family ever since this place was built. He trusted me, he did. He trusted me even more than he did her. Henry! It's true, ain't it? That's why he said it was to stay here. Called me alone into his room just before he died. Who did? Mr. Terrence, her father. Oh, I see. Well, now, uh, Miss Rankin, uh, you say you'd been reading until about 9 o'clock? Yes. I got up when I finished and walked past the window. It was a crash of glass. That's all I can tell you. I see. Henry, uh, what were you doing with this gun? I've always had it. Mr. Terrence told me to always keep it handy. And how do you explain the fact that one of the shells is discharged? Someone must have took it while I was asleep. Uh, and then walked out on the ground, shot at Miss Rankin, returned to your house and left, huh? Why not? Uh, Miss Rankin, uh, do you know of any reason why Henry would do a thing like this? No, I don't. Is this the uh, house phone here on the desk? Why, yes. That connects with Henry's house? That's right. The button on the left is for Henry. I have a man searching there now. Uh, is that you, Jacobs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Search the grounds, too? Found where he stood to fire the shot, huh? Where? I see. Uh, did you check the footprints against uh, Henry's shoes? And the, the shoes did not match the prints? What did I tell you, officer? It was somebody else. Well, they're gone at last. Amelia, will you believe me now? I tell you, that man is not safe. But we don't know, Charles. You must think this over carefully. It could happen again. But I can't let Henry go. After all, Father's last request. You don't have to let him go. Well, then, what do you think I should do, Charles? Amelia, perhaps what you need is someone here to protect you. Yes. Perhaps you're right, Charles. for that moment for months. And that shot I'd fired through Amelia's window earlier in the evening clinched it. Of course, I made certain not to hit her. I was clever enough not to move too fast. Presently, I bade her a tender good night. But the next day, I returned to take her for a walk. Just the two of us. Isn't it lovely out today? Yes, it is lovely. The world is full of beautiful things when one's in love. But uh, maybe I'm being presumptuous, Amelia. Not you, Charles. Ever. Oh, I'm glad of that. I want you to have faith in me. Oh, I do, but it's just that since Mother and Dad died, I've had everything, of course, but I haven't really. 
I've had to be cautious and... You see, when you have money, you're always meeting people who pretend to be friendly when all they want is to get their hands on the money. What makes people that way, Charles? Is money that important? It has a terrible fascination for some people. If I thought a lot of someone and I found his motive was that, it would hurt me terribly. Of course it would, Amelia. And, Charles, you've been so sweet and kind. I've never been so happy, even though I am so alone. Amelia, you do need someone. With Henry there, things the way they are, you ought to have someone to take care of you and, and, uh... Well, to look out for everything. What are you trying to say, Charles? I'm asking you to marry me. Do you really mean it? Of course I do. Oh. I'm so happy. Yes, Charles. Yes. A big wedding, fashionable guests, everything. And I spent three months making sure that Amelia had no doubt. After all, it's only good salesmanship to keep the customer happy, isn't it? Then one day, I made the next move in my little plan. Charles? Yes? Come over here and sit beside me. Well, I was going into the library, Amelia, and I have a reference to look up. I'll only be a moment. All right. What's on your mind? These few months we've been married, have they been happy for you? They've been the happiest months of my life. You've been more than kind to me. You're holding back something. What is it? These past few days, you've been acting a, a little different. As if you had something on your mind. Why, I... I don't understand, Amelia. I know what it must be like married to my money. What do you mean? It puts you outside in a way, doesn't it? You mustn't feel like that, Amelia. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. Just the same. From now on, everything I have is yours. And everything you have is mine. That's the way marriage should be, don't you think? Please, darling. Money isn't so important, Charles. Happiness means much more. I found that out. I called my lawyer this afternoon. Your lawyer? There'll be some papers to sign to put everything in your name as well as mine. Amelia. Nothing is going to come between us, Charles. Everything we have will be shared. Always. Forever. <laughs> Papers were signed. Now I shared my everything with Amelia, including three million dollars. But you have no idea how tiresome a woman like Amelia can be, particularly when she insists on being with you every minute of the time because she loves you. So there was one more step in my plans. One afternoon, I walked into the Tecumseh Hotel in North City. A hundred long miles from Green Acres in Amelia. My name's Charles Carter. I have a reservation. Let's see. 
Room 241. I asked for something at the back of the building. I have some reports to write, and I'll need quiet. You'll find this satisfactory, I'm sure. Soundproofing in the rear. Well, I'll be typing all afternoon and possibly late into the night. Uh, I don't want to be disturbed under any circumstances. Yes, sir. I'll tell the operator. Uh, please tell the maids, too. If they hear me typing inside, they're not to come in. Certainly, Mr. Carter. Front. Oh, uh, clerk. Uh, excuse me. Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. That was clumsy of me to bump into you. Quite all right. Uh, clerk, uh, my name is Lane. Uh, you're holding a reservation for me? That's right, Mr. Lane. I'll be right with you. The boy has your back, Mr. Carter. You can go up now. Part three of my plan was well underway, but I was a little jumpy. That fellow Lane. For a moment, I thought it was more than just coincidence. I'd seen him at the station when I'd arrived. But that was being foolish. A lot of people arrive in North City every day. Ten minutes later, alone in room 241, I opened my bag, took out a small portable phonograph with a repeating attachment on it. I put on a special record and listened. I made sure the whole thing was working perfectly. Then I sneaked out of the room. Down the back stairs and out the trade entrance of the hotel. In a bar around the corner, I found a telephone. Put in a long-distance call to Johnson, my assistant at the factory. I told him I was in North City and be there overnight. Then I phoned the hotel. Good afternoon. Compton Hotel. Will you ring Mr. Charles Carter's room, please? I'm sorry, Mr. Carter isn't receiving any calls. Uh, this is important. I'm the superintendent of one of his plants. I'm sorry, sir. You care to leave a message? Uh, he is there, isn't he? Yes, sir, but he said that he was not to be disturbed. If you'll leave a message... No, thank you. I'll call back later. As I hung up, I knew that all my orders would be obeyed. Nothing would go wrong with my plan. On my way to get my car, I stopped and bought a bottle of liquor. That was to make Henry, the caretaker, sleep better. Because Henry was an important part of my plan. Two hours later, I was driving up the road to Greenacre. But before I got to the house, I turned off the road and left the car in a wooded section. Then I walked up to the house. Let myself in quietly and found a medium in the living room. Hello, Marian. Oh, Charles. It's you. I didn't hear you come in. Well, I didn't mean to startle you, Amelia. Where's the car, Charles? I didn't hear you drive up. I, uh, I had a little trouble with it. I, uh, left it down the road. I'll have Henry look at it. No, not tonight. Too late. All right. I thought for a while you might not be coming home. I'm having a glass of wine. Won't you have one with me? Thanks, I will. Hi, <sighs> that tastes good. You seem very keyed up, Charles. Is anything worrying you? No, no, nothing. Just a uh, big business deal I'm thinking about. Is it anything I should know about? No. Uh, not yet, anyway. 
Johnson called this afternoon. He was looking for some report. Yes, I know. I called him from North City. North City? Yes, I uh, made a trip there to uh, look over the uh, new assembly line. But uh, let's not talk business tonight, Amelia. Not up to it. I'm sorry. More wine? Thanks. Ah, that's fine. Now, why don't you run up to bed, Amelia? I, um, I want to take a bottle of bourbon over to Henry, just a friendly little gesture. Poor Henry. He has been acting more oddly than ever. As if he resented something. I'll try to fix things up. Get him back in a good frame of mind. Don't sit up all hours now, will you? No, no, Amelia. I'll be back soon. Don't wait up for me. Let me pour you another drink, Henry. Ain't you drinking none, Mr. Carter? Uh, we've been drinking some wine, Mrs. Carter and I. Oh, they don't mix so well. How come you're over here pouring me drinks this time of night? Oh, I don't know. I, uh, I just thought that we should get to know each other better. Well, it's a pity Mrs. Carter don't trust me like she used to. Well, let's not us quarrel. Here, have another drink. Mm, well, don't mind if I do. That seems to empty the bottle. I guess I'd better be getting back. But I'm glad we had this talk, Henry. Very glad. Yes, we'd had a very successful talk, Henry and I. He was nodding when I left. The liquor would put him to sleep fast. I hurried back to the house, stopping only long enough to pick up Henry's work gloves and his hatchet from the wood pile. I entered the house carefully. It was dark. I felt my way toward the stairs. And just as I reached the bottom step, I bumped against the standing lamp. Joe? Is that you, Joe? Yes. Yes, it's me. What happened? I just bumped into a lamp. Oh, lock the door before you come up, will you, dear? Yes, yes, of course. Go back to sleep now. I stood there with a hatchet in my hand. I felt the sweat breaking out on my forehead. At the last moment, I was wavering. I waited, telling myself I was waiting for Amelia to go back to sleep. I was really trying to get up my nerve again. Everything was perfect so far. There wasn't a reason in the world for not going through with it. What's the matter, Charles? Yeah, uh, what? Why don't you come up? I think I'll read for a while. I'll be up pretty soon. Go to sleep, dear. I spent a moment running over in my mind what I must do. First, Amelia. Then back to Henry's cottage. Leave his gloves and hatchet hidden, but not too well hidden. Henry'd be asleep. Lift him, carry him out to the garage, drape him over the wheel of his car, start the motor, and leave him there. 
Everyone knew of his temper, his continual bickering with Amelia over little things. The picture would be perfectly clear. Too much whiskey, a drunken resolve to kill Amelia, an attempted flight, collapse over the wheel, death by carbon monoxide. And I would be a hundred miles away in the Hotel Tecumseh, absolved from any suspicion. There was no reason for hesitating. I started up the stairs again. The bedroom was dark. Except for a faint moonlight. There was Amelia. A dim shape huddled beneath the covers. I tiptoed to the bed. Oh, I hated her. I nerved myself and stuck. Goodbye, Amelia. Goodbye. Charles. <coughs> Amelia. You can stop striking that rolled-up blanket, Charles. I'm over here by the window. What? Yes. I've been standing here looking out at the moonlight. It's beautiful, isn't it? I can see everything so clearly. So clearly tonight, Charles. Won't there be any good to yell? No one will hear you. I'm not going to yell. You see, Charles, I know everything you did today. I hired a detective to follow you a week ago. A detective? I thought you were in some kind of trouble. I hired the detective to see what it was so I could help you. So you could help me? He learned of your reservation in North City. He was waiting for you at the hotel when you got there. Lane. That's his name, isn't it? That's the name he used, yes. Go on. He phoned me and told me you were in your room typing. I told him you couldn't type. So he got into my room. It was a clever way to establish an alibi. I knew you wouldn't go to so much trouble except for something very, very big. And I guessed the only thing it could be. Get to the point, Amelia. Pretty ridiculous, wasn't it? Believing that out of all the people there was one whom I could trust, whom I could share everything with. Where, uh, where's your detective now? Outside, I suppose. No. He did his work. He's gone. We're alone? Yes. Quite alone. Remember our agreement? That we should share everything? Well? When I became convinced you were planning to kill me, I, I couldn't bear it. I don't mean about dying, but to have my trust so. Life didn't seem worth living anymore. What are you getting at? I took certain precautions, Charles. Precautions? That wine we both drank when you came in. It was poisoned. Poisoned? I don't believe you. You're lying. No, I'm not. It's slow acting. Quite painless. In half an hour or so, we'll fall asleep and not wake up. You are lying. You're trying to trick me. Why you... should I? Oh, Charles, I hope so. I was wrong. I hoped so hard. I even prepared for that. I have a bottle of the antidote here. If you had come upstairs and simply gone to bed... I was prepared to give you the antidote on some free... The antidote? Give, me, give it to me. No, Charles, no. 
We agreed to share everything, remember? And we must share this... What? This bottle. A million. There. It's gone now, Charles. It's all gone. This is Don Dowd again, your host for Mystery Time. You have just heard Masters of Mystery, live from New York. (laughs) 